Hey friends, it is so great to be with you today. Thank you for joining us for online worship. My name is Jason Mulliver. I'm the directing pastor here at Crossroads. This is week two in this message series, Firm Foundations, where we are going through Matthew chapter seven, the last chapter in Jesus's famous Sermon on the Mount. And we are gonna be looking at verses seven through 11 today. And I'm going to be using the English Standard Version of the Bible, if you'd like to pull that up on your phone or your tablet. Let me just say a prayer before we jump in. God, you are so good, and I thank you for how you care for us and how you love us. Holy Spirit, come. Enter every home. Guide my words. Guide our thoughts. Use this time to open our thoughts and hearts to all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So having Pastor Megan come and work here the past month and a half— just after graduating from seminary in May, is bringing back a whole lot of memories of my first year out of seminary when I was starting the ministry, and I was just the same age that she is now. In that first year out of seminary, I found myself binge reading John Maxwell books on leadership. And that's because when I was in seminary, we learned a lot of things about church history, about studying the Bible, about missions and evangelism, and all these things, but we learned very little about how to lead people and how to actually lead in the church. So I was thrust into this ministry position. I had no idea how to lead people, so I was reading every book I could on leadership, trying to just stay above water. And one of the books that I read during that time, I actually read it a couple times. I pulled out my old copy this week. It's called Failing Forward by John Maxwell. And During that book, in that book, there's this place I came across on page 44, and I went back and I found it, and he says this, what objective essential to your success are you most afraid of tackling right now? And I remember very clearly when I read that, what that fear was. What was that thing I was so afraid of doing, which was critical to my success? For me, it was the fear of asking people to join my ministry team. I don't know why, but I was scared to death of recruiting people to join my team or to participate in the ministries I was leading. I was leading the youth ministry at that time at the church, and I felt like I had a good vision of where we should go. People wanted me to have a vision. I had written out this very compelling vision. I'd written out the goals along the way, written out what it would take for us to get there. I'd even made job descriptions of the different team members that we would need to fill the different spots on the team to bring about the vision. But I needed some new team members, and I needed really high-quality team members. And so I knew this was a do-or-die time for me. I was going to have to sit down with people, cast my vision, and ask them to join my team. And I was scared to death of doing it. Looking back, I can only chuckle at what I might have been afraid of. I mean, these were good people. I I really felt like if I asked them, they might reject me, and then I would feel like a failure and I wouldn't be able to recover. I might have thought like they would like say something derogatory or ridicule me or say I didn't have any gifts or my vision was bad. But I knew that if I didn't recruit people, then I couldn't go forward. And really, I couldn't lead in the church. Leadership is about many things. One of them is casting a vision for a next step for people to take, for the next step for a ministry to go, for something that will benefit people. Casting vision and sitting down and asking people 
face to face to join you in that venture. There's a big difference between advertising and asking. And I had to ask. And so I did it. The first thing I had to ask them to do was to meet with me. I was scared to even ask them if I could meet with them to share the vision. But I did it. And I started feeling a little bit bigger. Then I went and I met with each person one-on-one. I shared the papers I'd produced with the vision on it. And it was a very eye-opening experience. Two of the people that I really wanted for the team accepted an appointment with me, listened to the vision, and then they said, wow, this is really great. And I really appreciate being asked, but I can't do it at this time, either because of energy level, they said, or because of stage of life. But the way they said no actually made me feel great. (laughs) And I thought, wow, that didn't hurt at all. And so I also found that a couple people I met with and shared my vision with said yes. And I couldn't believe it. They were going to join me. They thought I was worth joining. Well, since then, I've been asking people nonstop to do things that I think will be great for them. I've asked people to join me to go on mission trips or to go on trips to the Holy Land or to join our staff or to join a small group. And I have found that if it's something that you believe in, people are never offended if you ask them if they'd like to join you. I found that people rarely will will join you if you don't ask them. Advertising is hardly ever enough. You have to ask. And third, I found that people will often join you if you do ask them face-to-face. Not every time, but often they will. This idea of asking people for cooperation, asking people to join you, asking people to help you, this is one of the key foundations to getting along with others in the world. This is how the world works. Other people have things that we need and we have to ask them for it. Uh, We have things that other people need and they ask us for it. Asking, it's huge. You can't get by in this world without asking. It's also true in our spiritual life. This is how we get cooperation from God, help from God, and good things from God. As we get to this third chapter of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus lays this out. Chapter 7, verse 7, he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So Jesus is making this case for asking God for things. But it's interesting the way he appeals to it. He says, you know yourselves. And if you have kids, he's like, which one of you I mean, obviously, if these people were were listening to Jesus to learn how to follow Jesus, they weren't going to be the type of parent that if the kid asks for something healthy, you're going to give him something poisonous that's going to kill him. I mean, there there may be like a minutia of sick, twisted parents out there that do that. But he's like, you guys, you know how this works. You love giving your kids good things. 
You love providing for your kids what they need to thrive. You love helping your kids get clothes that they need, providing environment for them to learn. You love it when your kids ask you for advice and you can help them. You may love it if they ask you to help with their homework if you know how to actually help them. <laughs> you might like it if they ask you to help with college and you can help them through college if you're a grandparent. You like it when you get to help with the grandkids. And Jesus says, you all, compared to God, you're evil. Really, basically. I mean, compared to like Jeffrey Dahmer, you're, you're really good. But I mean, there's a big gap between us and God. He says, if you guys, flawed as you are, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will God give good gifts to those who ask him? Now, one of my other favorite passages about this, how God gives us good things, is found in Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. And here we see David talking to himself. He's getting a hold of his self-talk. And this is so important for all of us to do. Satan will fill our heads with lies and confusion. We have to talk to ourselves, speak truth to ourselves. We see David doing that. He says in Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. He says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Excuse me. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. He says, soul, don't forget all the benefits that come from being in relationship to our good heavenly father who loves us. He does all these things. I love the way that the New International Version translates verse 5. It says, he satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. David is talking to himself. He must have some desires. They're not yet filled. And he's reminding himself that the Lord will fulfill them with good things and it'll rejuvenate him. It'll bring vitality to him. So do you have a desire uh, to provide for your family with a new job? Do you have a desire for a spouse who shares your faith? Do you have a desire for direction in life? Do you have a desire to make a significant difference in this world? If you have a desire for these things, which are good things, David says, God satisfies those desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now, let's talk about the gap, the time gap. Because there's a time gap between when we recognize a desire in our heart, a good desire, and the time that God satisfies that desire with good things. When we recognize a desire, David reminds us, God will satisfy that desire with a good thing. So in between, what do we do? Well, sometimes we satisfy it with things that are not of God, and that creates bad consequences. Sometimes, though, we do God's process for getting the good thing. How do we do that? If the good thing's out here and the desire's here, how do we acquire the good thing? How do we bring it into our experience of life? That's the process Jesus is talking about. He says, here's what you do. Ask, and you'll receive. Seek, and you'll find. 
knock and it will be open to you. This is how you get good things from God. Now, what is this process all about? Ask, seek, and knock. Well, some people have said these are just different ways of talking about prayer. Of course, he's just saying you got to pray about it. Christians are always talking about prayer. Just pray about it. Now, I do think prayer is part of it, but I really think this is a three-step process that he's talking about here. How do we get good things from God? Ask, seek, and knock. Or we could say pray, pursue, and persist. I just want to break down each of those. This is the process for getting good things to satisfy our desires. The first step is to pray. Ask. Ask, and it will be given to you. For everyone who asks, receives. James, the little brother of Jesus, was a leader in the early church. And sometime after Jesus had gone back to heaven, James was trying to shepherd some of the early Christians through uh, the early days of the church. And they were fighting amongst one another. And they were jealous of one another. And they were trying to get things from one another instead of getting them for themselves. And he's rebuking them in James chapter 4. And he says, listen, Christians, you do not have because you do not ask God. There are some things, he says, that are good that you don't have because you haven't asked for them. Now, let's acknowledge that there are many things in life that are good that God gives us without asking. Our lives, we didn't ask for them. We didn't ask to be born, to get a life. We didn't ask for God to give us oxygen every day. We don't have to ask for each breath. He supplies that to everybody, whether we're good or whether we're bad. And we didn't ask when we were born to God to give us the abilities to get along in the world, to make a living, to just function. God created us those way and gave us those things without asking. There are indeed many atheists in the world who have many good things in their lives that have never once acknowledged God or asked him for them. And that's because God is just good. But here we also see this principle that there are many good things that God would give us but we have to ask for them first. So we get the base level of good things that everybody gets, but there are other good things that we don't have until we ask. I was thinking about this, um, and I came with this illustration. Imagine that you have a friend who makes the best spicy bean chili. Like once a year, your friend cooks this pot, has this great recipe for spicy bean chili, and you love it. You go, and it's so zesty, it's so hot, it burns your mouth, but it's awesome. And so one day, your friend calls you and says, hey, the chili's ready. <laughs> you go over there, and your, uh, your friend dips out a bowl of chili, and he gives it to you. Then he dips himself out a bowl of chili, and you sit there, you take a bite. But it's not as hot as you hoped it would be. It's not got as much spice as you hoped it would. So you got a couple options. Well, you could just eat the chili, but it's not as good as you like. Or you could ask your friend who's sitting over there enjoying a bowl of chili and happy to have you with him if he would pass the Tabasco sauce right in front of him. And you can then take that and dump as much as you want on your chili and make it as hot as you want. And your friend is happy to give you the Tabasco sauce. Your life is like a bowl of spicy bean chili. You've already got some good things that God gave you. But there's other good things that will make life better, spicier, zestier, that God will give you only when you ask for it. And there are many people 
who will forego many good things in life because they won't ask God for it. Do you want a different job? Have you asked God to lead you to one, to show you what steps you need to take to get one, who to connect you with? Have you asked him? Do you want more Christian friends to support you? Have you asked God to lead you to people who will support you and encourage you and that you can be a friend too? God promises to meet our needs. The first step is to humbly ask God. Dallas Willard writes, asking is indeed the great law of the spiritual world through which things are accomplished in cooperating with God. Just as we can't make it in the world without asking other people, we're never going to get the good spiritual life going if we're not in the habit of asking and cooperating with God in this. Now, another thing that asking does is it allows us to examine our desires. William Barclay says that the biggest test of any desire is this, can I pray about it? If we have a desire and we can't pray for God to fill it, then maybe we shouldn't be desiring it. I've had this happen many times where I wanted something really bad and I went to pray for it and I realized I can't pray for that. I don't even think God values that. And then I have to repent and return to God because I see that my life is organizing around things that don't matter at all to God. Asking is critical. It serves this important function as a filter for our desires and also as a way of cooperating with God to bring about good things in the world. But that's just the first step. The second step beyond prayer is pursuit. And this is the seeking part. If you're seeking something, you are pursuing it. If you seek victory in a sporting event, you are throwing yourself into it. You're going after it. You're leaving everything on the field or the court or the track, right? You don't just pray for victory. You put yourself into going after it. Jesus said, ask for what you desire and then go after it. So if you want a different job, begin asking for one, but then you're probably not going to get one if you just pray about it. You also probably need to look for one. You probably need to get your resume together. You probably need to quietly uh, open your network of colleagues to see if there's anything out there. You pray and then you pursue. You need wisdom. God loves it when we pray for wisdom, but we also need to pursue wisdom. We need to use the wisdom that God has already given us. God's given us the book of Proverbs, 31 chapters, one for each day of the monthly calendar. And so we can pray for wisdom, then we can look at the proverb of the day to see what wisdom is there. And it might be that we find it right there. We pray for wisdom, and then we put ourselves in the company of wise people so that we can receive wisdom from them. So we pray, and then we pursue. There's this really interesting proverb to consider. It kind of makes me chuckle when I read it, but I think it's applicable to what we're talking about. So it's in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. I think the idea of finding is implying the process of seeking. He who is seeking a wife and finds one finds a good thing. I mean, there's two ways to find something. You can stumble upon it or you can seek it. I don't think it's saying that if you stumble upon a wife, you stumble upon a good thing, as if this guy was out 
mushroom hunting in the woods and he stumbled upon a wife behind a log. Look, I, I found a wife. Now he's saying, you want a wife, you were seeking for a wife, and you found a wife. You want a wife, it's okay to look for one, he says. And so are you looking for more Christian friends to support you? Great, ask God for them, and then join a grow group. We have other people who are looking for Christian friends to support them. Ready-made, right there. We pray, and then we take the step. Are you looking to really get your head around the basics of Christianity so you can rebuild that foundation in your life? Great, then sign up for Alpha. It's a wonderful Christianity course. It's going to be so fun. You can hang out with Leslie and her husband Bob every Thursday night this fall, and food is provided. So much fun. Ask God to help you grow, and then pursue it through a growth opportunity. It's a simultaneous thing. I've heard it said that we need to pray as if everything depends on God, and then act as if everything depends on us. That good thing that you're going after, pray for it, and then pursue it. It's you and God working together to bring about these good things in your life. The final step is this. It's to persist. This is the knocking phase. He says, knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who knocks, the door will be open. And it should be noted that the verb tense of each of these verbs um, implies continuous, repetitious action. The New Living Translation uses this uh, in the idea of how it translates this verse, verse 7, it says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. This is a great test of how badly we want something good in our life. Will we keep pursuing it, keep going after it, according to the God-given method for acquiring good things? Sometimes people pray about something and they do nothing else and then they don't get what they pray for and then they say Christianity doesn't work. Prayer doesn't work. The truth is that's not the process that Jesus outlined. It's not pray and then do nothing. It's pray and then pursue and then persist. If there's a good thing in your life that you want, pray about it, ask for it. Then seek it and then knock Jesus promises this is how it will work. And so, friends, I'll just close with this verse that I like to talk about all the time. It's Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. And Paul says, God, by his power at work within us, is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we could ask or imagine. So, by God's power at work within us, empowering us to pursue good things, and the resources he has available, God is able to do abundantly far more than we ask, but we have to ask. And God will either give us the good thing we're seeking or something far more abundantly beyond all we could ask or imagine. So what is the good thing that you're seeking? What is it? Go after it. This is how things work. Don't be afraid to ask people to join you in things that you think are valuable. If you have a family member or a neighbor that you wish would come to know Jesus, 
Don't be afraid to ask them to come to church with you. You may not have because you haven't asked. Uh, Do you have something that you care about? Pursue it. Go after it and persist until you either hear from God some answer or you obtain the thing. If we, though we are evil, know how to give good things to our children, how much more will our Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are so good and you love us so much. I pray that you would bless every person here with an awareness of all the good things that you have to give them. God, let us really seek. Let us really go after. Let us really pursue. Let us really trust. Let us believe your word that you satisfy our desires with good things and that you have rejuvenation for us. Lord God, let us never become bitter. Let us never blame others. Let us never blame you. Let us trust your character and follow your process and unleash your power. And now, Lord, we pray that ancient prayer that unites us with Christians all over the world as we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so that you can be notified of our most recent content. If you have any comments or questions for us, feel free to jump over to WashingtonCrossroads.com. Thank you again and have a great week.